Alright, praise the Lord. How is everybody this morning? Amen. You know what? I was just telling Miss Donna right there. Today is a great day to be a Christian. Can somebody say amen to that? You know what? Every day is a good day to be a Christian because it means that we are in the family of God. We're his sons and his daughters and our best day in the family of God is, excuse me, our worst day in the family of God is a billion times better than our best day out there in the world belonging to the devil. Isn't that right? God is good to us and I am so excited. We've got a lot of great things going on right now, but I've got a very wonderful, special, happy announcement. I would like to introduce to you Mr. and Mrs. Rodney and Sonia Ray. Can you guys stand up together for us? These young lovebirds got married yesterday right here at church. And as a family, we just want to congratulate them and uh, and honor them for being married. And we know that they're going to have nothing but a blessed, prosperous, joyful, wonderful, healthy life because of Jesus. Amen. We love you guys. Let's give them one more hand. Come on. Praise the Lord. <laughs> well, we are excited. Amen. 
Well, let's go ahead. We're going to speak some words of faith over America today because we are seeing Jesus do a work in this country. Can we stand up together for just a minute? Praise God. We know that no matter what it looks like, we walk by faith, not by sight. And we are seeing God do miracles all across this land. Amen. Let's go ahead and we're going to speak these words of faith together and say it like you mean it. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name and in unity we confess that Jesus Christ is Lord over the United States of America. We declare that righteousness, mercy, justice, and judgment from you shall prevail. We declare that America will complete her God-given mission to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. We push back the darkness of Satan from this nation and call for the light of Jesus Christ to invade the media and every home, church, and school, and every town, city, and state of this great nation, the United States of America, in Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. All right, let's let's go through a few announcements here because, like I said, we got some stuff going on. Are there any men in the house today? All right, all right, we're getting there. That, that's 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 pretty good. Uh, but I said, are there any men in the house today? <laughs> all right. Well, men, uh, this coming Saturday is our monthly men's meeting. It's the first Saturday of March. Don't miss this opportunity. I know you guys are out. giving you the chance to be surrounded by good, godly men. Amen. And so you can make the right friendships and relationships that you need. So Saturday, 9 a.m., and I will go ahead and say it now, we are going to allow donuts back at the men's meetings. Amen. Amen. All right. You know, we, we banned that for a couple of months there for safety issues, but I'm like, you know what? It's a donut. Come on. It, it's fried and it's got jelly in the middle. Jelly never hurt no one. So let's do this. All right. Donuts are coming back. All right. Now, now my next thing is, are there any ladies in the house? All right. There are ladies here today. You sound a little more enthused than the men. So guys, we will deal with this later, but this will be addressed. Mark my words. This will be addressed. Uh, ladies, you have the women's meeting coming up Friday, March the 12th at 6.30 p.m. And I believe Miss Desiree is going to be doing the lesson, the, the message that night, Desiree. So Desiree's going to be there, and I'm sure there will be something in the works, but I, you know, I'll let all you ladies figure that out. All right, next thing is this. We have membership class. Some of you signed up already, but we're going to be doing membership class. Here's the date that seems to work best. On Sunday night, March 14th, all right, from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Sunday, March 14th, from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Uh, some of you have signed up already. I know others of you are wanting to get on the list, but the uh, sign-up sheet is at the info booth. Go ahead and sign up, and we will remind you. But I know you want to be a part of this great big family. We love you so much, and, and we want you to be a part of us, all right? And I also want to remind you that tonight is Sunday night service.
kids are, despite what they did, you know, we tell them to be quiet in church all the time. Then I say make noise, and they're like, am I allowed to? Yes, this is one of those times. But uh, the kids are having a great time Sunday nights, 6 o'clock, and then the adults are in here. My dad has an awesome message tonight regarding the anointing of God that we're excited about. We're making sure it gets recorded, but you should be here tonight. It's going to be a deep topic and something that you need to hear about. And I've got one more announcement. If Back row, Michael, can I make your announcement? Is that okay if I share your good news, brother? About you getting, uh, okay. <laughs> well, we had one other wedding this week. I'm going to do it even with other pressure. Michael got married this week, Michael and Megan, so we want to give them a big shout out, a big round of applause. Can you stand up so we can honor you guys? <laughs> All right, well. <laughs> Anyway, we're excited and we congratulate them and we celebrate them and we pray in Jesus' name for nothing but the blessings and peace and joy of the Lord upon their marriage and their household. But we're super excited. That's two weddings in one week. Come on, guys. I'm I'm excited about this stuff. Hey, we've done a lot of funerals in the last six months. I'm ready to see some more weddings. And so if you're out there, I am available. You can book me and I will do your wedding. All right. Amen. All right. As long as it's a godly wedding. Praise the Lord. Well, who knows what time it is now? It's happy time because God loves a cheerful giver and we have got a house full of cheerful givers and our new HVAC units should be in within the next two weeks. We'll be in here living the dream in our beautiful HVAC, all that fresh air. It's going to be beautiful. Praise God. All right. Well, pastor's going to bring us the word on our tithes and offerings today. Amen. That's called patience. Hallelujah. Somebody say glory to God. Amen. I'll tell you what, uh, no matter what goes on in the world, we got to always remember our worst day as a Christian is far better than our best day as a sinner. Amen. How big you say amen to that? That's exciting, isn't it? Hold up your hands you need to upload for your tithes or for your offerings. I want to show you a couple books out of the bookstore. As uh, Pastor Dave said, I'm going to be teaching on the anointing of God tonight and, and what it means, the anointing of God in the life of a believer. How many have heard the word anointing? Amen. You know, a lot of new Christians, the word anointing is a foreign word, a strange word, because that's not a word that sinners use. They don't know what anointing is, and too many believers don't really know what the anointing is in them. And we're going to look at some things tonight uh, that's really going to change your life if you haven't understood the anointing. But do you know that the same Holy Ghost that Jesus had, you have? And the Holy Ghost gave Jesus the anointing to do what he did on earth? Well, if you've got the same Holy Ghost, and you've got the same anointing, then John fourteen twelve, Jesus said, The works that I do shall you do also. And greater works than these shall you do, because I go to the Father. And what he meant by that, when he went to the Father, he was going to send the Holy Ghost, so not just one person had him, but everybody could have him. And so, the times we live in right now, as Pastor Dave said, did a lot of funerals around here, doing some weddings, had a lot of baby births. But I'll tell you what, if believers understood the anointing in them, there could be some deaths that could be prevented. There could be some hospital visits that would change. Amen. 
you have the anointing tonight, I just really highly encourage you, if you don't normally come on Sunday nights, come tonight, because it's going to really be life-changing for you. And then another book I want to show you, what would Jesus say? What would Jesus say? How many are familiar if Reverend Tony Cook comes here every year? Well, this this is Tony's newest book. It's been out for a couple months now. I've been studying it. It's so good. But what the Lord had Tony do in the book of Revelation, there's seven churches that the Apostle John had a word for. And we study those today ourselves as Christians, as churches. And so the Lord had Tony go through those seven churches. And Tony's been to all those places where those churches are, by the way. Knows the history, the background, a lot about it. But anyway, the principles of God never change. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so Tony takes those principles, those corrections, those praises that Jesus put on those churches there, takes them to modern-day churches in America, and helps us look at our lives at our churches and see if Jesus were talking to us, and he says, I know your works. He says, you're doing this right. But you need to change this. You're not doing this right. And then he says, hear what the Spirit saith to the churches. And then he says, he that overcometh. And I've studied this for years myself. But at the end of every one of those exhortations to the churches, Jesus says, he that overcometh will I give. And he talks about things he gives to overcomers. And so to me, they help me examine my life and think, where am I missing at right now in my life? What's been my fall over and over again? And it tells me it's possible, no matter how many years I've stumbled over the same thing, Jesus said I can overcome it. And there's special rewards for overcomers. Anyway, those books are really, really good. And, uh, you know, I want to say something about our bookstore. But back in Indiana, we came from Indiana, there was a guy named Don that had a gun, had, had, had gun stores around central Indiana. He had a commercial that was on TV all the time. And then the guy grinned at the end of his commercial and say this, Folks, I don't want to really make money. I just love to sell guns. Well, I want to say this. The bookstore is not about the church making money. We love to sell books because it changes people's lives. And so that bookstore back there is a very, very awesome resource to help your life be changed forever and ever. Now open up to Isaiah chapter 48, verse 17. Isaiah 48, 17. I sure am glad that God's not not religious. He's loving. He's got a best interest at heart. And he wants to see us win in life in every area. But Isaiah 48, 17. This is the heart of God concerning the lifestyles of his people in the financial arena. Thus saith the Lord, thy Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. And how many know that not only is he the Holy One of Israel, but he's the Holy Holy One of the church. Amen. He said, I am the Lord thy God, which teacheth thee how to file bankruptcy, because you can't get ahead in life. No. God said, I teach you to profit. You know, I, th- I think it's a shame that the devil for a lot of years has convinced Christians that it's wrong to have money. It's wrong to have a new house. It's wrong to have a new car. It's wrong to wear good clothes. 
It's wrong for your kids to have money to be able to do fun things in life that aren't sinful things, but to enjoy life. God said, I teach you to profit. God wants us to profit. And that definition of profit means a valuable return to gain the excess of returns over expenditures in a transaction or a series of transactions. God expects us in how we manage our money and how we use our money to increase. You know, I was talking to Mrs. Pastor today. Uh, you know, uh, Mrs. Pastor doesn't like to admit this, but we're not spring chicks anymore. we got a few miles on us. We've been around a few times. And I was thinking about Dr. Lester Summerall. I remember sitting at his church years and years ago. He talked about young Christians and young people want to go out to buy a mansion. They believe in God for a mansion. And they couldn't even pay the light bill. As I was thinking about our place we've got, we've got a, we've got a really nice lake that yet put in the desert. You have to pump water into lakes all the time to keep water in them. We have a really nice orchard. You have to put a lot of water into an orchard. We have a lot of grass. You have to keep water going to grass. And I was thinking, what my, I got two light bills for all what they have to do. And I was thinking, as I looked out at my lake yesterday, I was thinking, I pay more for my light bill than a lot of people pay for their house. But I was thinking, when we got married, we always wanted to do things and have things, but we didn't have it. And I was thinking now that God has taught us how to profit. And then look at the rest of this verse. He says, which leadeth thee by the way that thou shouldest go. He leads you. God will teach you and he will lead you. He will always lead you in line with the word of God. And so, in that verse there, I want to say this. If you're one of these Christians, you're believing God for new cars, new houses, better things, more money. Well, the first thing God's going to do is lead you to Malachi chapter 3. And God's going to say, bring your tithe into the storehouse so I can bless you. If God's going to teach you, what do you think his textbook is going to be? It's not going to be Wall Street. It's not going to be Las Vegas, how to beat the odds. It's going to be the Bible. That's God's textbook. And God's going to say, you tithe, I bless you give, I increase. Amen? And so just keep on doing what the Bible says to you. I can promise you, little by little, little by little, you'll grow and you'll grow financially to where you become better and better off and you'll be able to begin to do some of the things you really want to do. You won't be just a wishing and a hoping and praying. You'll be walking in it. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, let's make our financial faith confession because this, this is part of our prosperity. We get faith by hearing the Word of God. And then the first phase of faith is speaking the Word of God. Amen. So as we speak these blessings over our finances, just always remember this. This isn't just nice things we say because our church likes to say things out loud. Jesus said, faith works by saying. Amen. So let's, let's say this together. As we bring the Lord's tithe and give offerings today, we believe we receive jobs or better jobs, promotions, raises and bonuses, Benefits, sales and commissions, growth in business, settlements, estates and inheritance, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, bills paid off, debts paid off, 
royalties received, blessings and increase. Thank you, Lord, meet all my financial needs so I have more than enough to take good care of my family, to give just in the kingdom of God, and promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.
in your freedom, awaken the light. Oh, Jesus, our Savior, your name lifted high. Oh, God, you have done great things. Hallelujah, God, above it all. Hallelujah, God. Unshakable, hallelujah, you have done great things. Hallelujah, God, above it all, hallelujah, God. Unshakable, hallelujah, you have done great things, you've done great things. Oh, hero of heaven, you conquered the grave. You free every captive and break every chain. Oh, God, you have done great things. We dance in your freedom, awaken the life. Oh, Jesus, our Savior, your name lifted high. Oh, God, you have done great things. One more time, let's sing that hallelujah. Hallelujah, God, above it all. Hallelujah, God, unshakable. Hallelujah, you have done great things. Every chain, oh God, you have done great things. We dance in your freedom, awaken the light of Jesus, our Savior. Your name lifted high, oh God, you have done great things. You have done great things. God, you do great things. the way maker into our lives this morning. Hallelujah. Yes. You are here moving in our midst. 
there's a gust of wind by your spirit you break down the walls that we may have put you in hallelujah we invite your holy spirit to make a way in our lives we praise you louder lord even when we can't see Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop. A little louder. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop. Sing that again. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. One more time, let's raise our voice. stop you never stop working never stop let's sing waymaker waymaker miracle worker promise keeper light in the darkness my god that is who you are hallelujah hallelujah Who knows that he is the way maker today. You don't have to make your own way in this world and in this life. He is the way maker. Amen. I was just thinking as we were singing that even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't 
feel it, you're working. Well, some people, to them, seeing is believing, but we aren't just some people. We're the children and the family of God, and we walk by faith. We don't walk by sight. I don't have to see it to believe that it's real. And I was looking at some verses as we were sitting here, Isaiah chapter 55. In verse 10 it says, The rain and snow come down from the heavens, and they stay on the ground to water the earth. They cause the grain to grow, producing seed for the farmer and bread for the hungry. It's the same with my word. I send it out, and it always produces fruit. It will always accomplish all I want it to, and it will prosper everywhere I send it. And so God's word in our lives, it's a seed. Jesus talked about this. When the word is being sown, the word's going to be sown. We're going to read the Bible in a minute. The word, the seed is being planted. And sometimes we're expecting like, well, I went to church that one time. Well, we prayed that one time. That's all I need to know. Sometimes you got to realize you may not see it. You may not feel it right now, but beneath the surface of it all, the seed has been planted. You've got to water it and something's going on even if you don't see it right now. Don't give up. No matter what you're going through right now, don't give up. It's working. You just don't see it at the moment. But if you won't dig it up, sometimes we plant the seed and then two days later, well, nothing changed. You dig it up. Then you got to start all over again. Leave it alone. Water the word that's been planted in your heart. Give it some time. Sometimes it takes just a minute. But trust me and trust God that it is working. And before you know it, you're going to see some things start sprouting up through the ground in your life. And you're going to say, you know what? Yeah, I'm starting to see a difference. You know what? Yeah, I'm starting to see a change right here. And slowly but surely, it's growing and growing and growing. And the next thing you know, the things that used to just totally knock you off course, you're a strong, stable Christian. But what matters right now is even when I don't see it, it's working. He's working. Even when I don't feel it, he's working. Leave it alone. Amen. Trust the process and trust what he's doing. Can we sing that bridge one more time there? Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Stop. You never stop working. You never stop. You never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop. You never stop working. You never stop. You never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop working. You never stop. You never stop working. We make miracle work. Promise keep light in the darkness. My God, that is who you are. 
name high today, Jesus. We want to see you lifted up. We want to see you exalted. We want to see you do what you want to do today and say what needs to be said. We love you, Jesus. We are sitting here at your feet and we ask you to speak to us. We ask you to change us. We ask you to do whatever you need to do today, Father, so we can be more like you, so we can be the people that you've created us to be. We love you and we praise your holy name today in the name of Jesus. Can we give the Lord some praise together today? Amen. God is good. God is good. You may be seated this morning. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Well, who's glad to be in the house of the Lord? Amen. All right. Praise God. All right. Very good. Well, as I said a little bit earlier, uh, today's a great day to be a Christian. Am I right? Tom, I switched mics. There we go. All right. Here again. All right, very good. So the title today is something a little bit interesting. I'm, I'm going from a little bit of a different angle on this. And it's and, and, and I, as I give the title, you got to listen up because I got to explain it for just a minute here. OK, the title is this. Jesus is my boss. OK, Jesus is my boss. Is there anybody in here that you could say, I'll let Jesus be my boss? Yeah. So uh, have you ever been around little kids very much? Anybody? I'm surrounded by them 24 seven every day of my life, every second of my being. I'm surrounded by kids. And there's one thing that, you know, kids have different phrases. Have you seen this that maybe different phrases the kids used back in the 70s or 80s or 90s? It, it was different than what they use now. But I have found one enduring phrase that children use no matter what the generation is. And it's this phrase. You're not my boss. I said it. You probably said it when you were a child. And kids still say it today, especially to their siblings or especially. And and here's the thing. Somebody tells a kid something they don't want to do, especially if it's one of their peers. And what do they say? You're not my boss. I don't have to do it. And here's the thing. It's funny, but they mean that with all of their heart. You are not their boss, and they are not going to listen to what you're saying. And 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 so it's kind of a funny phrase. It's kind of a funny thing. But I was reading a great new book that I got this week. And, and anyway, it's from the, the lead singer of this Christian band called Skillet. And he was the lead singer, John Cooper. He was talking about, as a little child, when he first gave his heart to Jesus... He, he prayed that nobody led him in the prayer. Nobody said, repeat after me. All he said was he was five years old and he was talking to the Lord in his own words. And he said, Jesus, I want you to come into my life. You can be my boss now. And I was listening to that. I'm like, that's really cute and sweet for a little kid to say. But 
what a way to put that. As a child, what childlike faith, what a way to phrase that, that in the eyes of a kid, I mean, there's no higher authority than you've been telling people all along, you're not my boss, but, but when a kid, when those of childlike faith finally say, you know what, you are my boss. And I was thinking about us as adults, most of us, right? You know, some of you are more mature than others. I'm just going to be straightforward with that. I'm kidding. But listen, but, but honestly, what a, what, what a, what is Christianity all about? I mean, we make Jesus our savior. We, and you know, everybody, if you're a Christian, Jesus is your savior. There's no doubt about that. You've received him and you have received redemption from your sins. And now you are going to heaven. You've made Jesus your savior. And I've explained this before, but there is a whole other level of just saying Jesus is my savior and then making Jesus your Lord. Now, a lot of people say, Jesus is my Lord and Savior. Hallelujah. He's my Lord and Savior. And for some people, that's the absolute truth. And for some people, that's an all-out lie. Because you're your own Lord, or your money's your Lord, or or your pleasure is your Lord, or your wife is your Lord, or somebody is your Lord. But Jesus, for some people, He's not their Lord because they don't do what He says. And so today, I'm kind of using the, the term boss and the term Lord as a synonym, kind of going together. But I hope you get the point of what I'm saying is there's a massive difference between just saying, you know what? I believe that Jesus is God's son. I receive him as my savior. That is step one. But if you want to live on the level that God has for your life, you're going to have to go into full submission mode and say, you know what, Jesus, I thank you that you're my savior, but I want to take it a step further. I want you to be my Lord. I want you to be my boss. I want you to call the shots in my life. I will do what you tell me to do, even if I don't like it, even if I don't understand it right now. I will say what you tell me to say. I will stop doing the things that you tell me to stop doing. Now, that takes what we call submission because there will come a point in time in this relationship with God. And you may say, and you may not know, but there will come a point in time where there is a disagreement where God and his word are telling you to do something that you don't understand, that maybe you don't even agree with. Maybe that, well, that's not how I was raised, but there will come a point in time where there will be a point of disagreement between you and God. And I'll give you a head start. He's right. Now, you can choose to fight that. You do totally have the choice to continue on and do it your own way and say, well, I know it says this, but that's not how I see it. And and you can push on through that. You have the free decision to make whatever choices you want in life, but you just got to know this right now, that his way is always right, even if we don't agree with it, even if it's not the way that we would have done it. His way is always right. And so... What we're talking about today is taking your relationship with God to a whole other level. Now, in this service right now, I've got people in here that have been born again longer than I've been alive. I've got people in here that have been probably teaching in church and in children's ministry longer than I've been alive. And I've also got people in here that have been a Christian for about a month. 
or two weeks or six months or five years. And so we've got a whole gamut, a whole range of people listening to this message right now. But I don't care how long you've been a Christian. Is there a point where you have laid it all down and said, you know what, Jesus, I'm ready to go to a deeper level. And I realize that means that I'm going to have to change. I'm going to have to make some adjustments. I'm going to have to admit that I've been wrong on some things. I'm going to have to make you my Lord. You can be the boss of my life. You're going to have to make some decisions. And I today am challenging you to go to the next level. And so I want to pray. Then we're going to get into the word of God. And I believe that if you'll listen up, God is going to say some things that you need to hear today. Amen. So let's pray together. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come to you today, God, and we come to you with grateful hearts. We thank you, Lord, that we are not who we used to be. We are not where we used to be, but we are, uh, Lord, you've saved us, God. We're your children now. We belong to you. And Lord, I pray that as we open our Bibles today, as we open our hearts to what you're trying to tell us, that you're going to speak to us. And Lord, you have permission to change us. You have permission to let us know if we've been wrong because God, we don't want to be wrong. We don't, even if it's our comfort zone, we don't want to be wrong. We want to live our lives right for you. So you can have your way in us and use us for your glory. So God, speak to us, change us today, take us to your level in the name of Jesus. Can everybody say amen? Amen. All right. And so today, the first thing I'm going to say is this. We're talking about How is Jesus my boss? Why is Jesus my boss? Well, I guess I'm speaking from some of my own experience here. And I'm going to say this. Number one, I chose him. I Nobody, nobody forced me to be a Christian. Well, yeah, you were, you know, and I, I heard somebody say, well, you know, I'm, I'm a Christian because I was raised in America and, and, and so it's one of the seven great religions of the world. And the only reason I even identify as a Christian is I was raised in America and blah, 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 blah. Listen, I'm not a Christian because I was born in America. I'm a Christian because I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God, that he died on the cross and that he rose again and he saved me from my sins and that he's coming back someday. I believe that and I confess it with my mouth. That's why I'm a Christian. Nobody forced me to be a Christian. I chose Jesus to be my Lord and to be my Savior. And I know you could say, no, 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 he chose you. Yes, of course, Jesus chose me. He chose, he chose you. He wants us to be. But listen, I chose for him. And so what I'm getting at is this. What I can't stand, honestly, is when people complain nonstop about their job. And the reason for that is this. My reason for that is this is, You applied there. They made you an offer of employment. You accepted it. And then you chose to work there. Nobody said, you, no doubt about it. Nobody held a gun to your head and said, you have to go work at, you know, at the railroad. There's no choice about it. You will do this or you die. Do you hear me? No, you applied there. You chose to work there, right? Now, I get it. There may be some things that you don't like about it. There may be some things that you could change. But I can't stand it when people nonstop, I hate that place. It's the worst. My boss is the worst. And I'm like, okay, dude, it's America. Go apply somewhere else and do something else. But you chose to work there. You chose to submit to that place. You chose for that for that to be your boss. 
right? It may not be perfect, but seriously, you chose to work there. And what I'm getting at is this. I'm not going to complain about the things that Jesus tells me to do. I'm not going to complain about where the Bible says, Dave Samples, you are absolutely wrong on that. You better change or you're going to bring some trouble on you. Why would I complain about that when I willingly, I purposely chose, you know what, Jesus, I choose you to be, I, I choose you. I submit my life to you. You are my Lord. You can be my boss. I made that choice. So should I sit around the rest of my life complaining about what the Bible says? No. I shouldn't. You know, I mean, I I have the choice. I will never do this, but you have the choice. You know what? I, I don't like what this says anymore. I think I'll just go do my own thing. You have that choice. It's the wrong choice. Some people make the wrong choice. But what I'm saying is this. I told Jesus, you are my Lord. You are my master. I will do what you tell me to do. I will say what you tell me to say. I will be what you tell me to be. You're my Lord. You're the boss of my life now. And whatever you say goes in my life. And from that moment forward, I gave Jesus permission to be my boss, to be my Lord, to make the shots in my life. And I like how Joshua told the children of Israel, you can write this down, I'm not turning there, but Joshua 24, 15, one of my favorite Bible verses, Joshua said, guys, listen, you're going to have to make a choice on who you're going to serve. Choose this day who you will serve, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Amen? Now, Joshua didn't say, no, you guys were born into the into Israel, you were born into the United States, so the choice has already been made, you're Christians, you're Jews, whether you believe... No, he said, choose today. You choose. And I'm telling you now in 2021, choose who you're going to serve. Choose Who's going to be your Lord? The choice is yours, but we've already made the decision at the Samples house. As for me and that house, we will serve the Lord. He's the boss. He's the Lord of that household. I can't speak for everybody. You know, there's an acronym for boss. Maybe you've heard this acronym. And and the acronym is this. Boss means built on self-success. People say that. Now, I think that's a prideful, arrogant, horrific thing to say, but yeah, man, I'm a boss, dude. I'm a boss, bro. I'm built on self-success. Man, pride comes before the fall, brother. I wouldn't go around saying that. Well, maybe you, maybe you did work your way hard to the top. Maybe you did. And hey, we're all for that, but I, you know, whatever I am today, whether I'm much or whether I'm little, whatever it is, I can tell you right now, it's not because of self-success. It's because Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. I couldn't do one single thing without Him, and I am fully aware of that. I want no credit, no honor, no whatever in my life. It's Jesus. So I'm not built on self-success. I put. It, I was going to sleep last night, and you ever go to sleep and your thoughts start going crazy? You ever go to sleep and sermons start coming to your mind? Happens a lot to me. All right, so so I'm laying there and and I'm and I'm thinking about this and I'm like, man, I wasn't built on self-success. I was built on salvation and sanctification. 
Now, that may not sound exciting to you, but what's sanctification? That's the process of Jesus changing you into the person that you're supposed to be. That's Jesus cleaning you up. That's Jesus working in your life right now, even if you don't see it, even if you don't feel it. You may not be where you want to be yet, but listen, if you're submitting to the word of God, you're in here, you're going to church, you're praying, you're doing what you know to do. You are in this process known as sanctification. And that's what my life is built upon. Salvation and sanctification. And that's why we are where we are today, because Jesus is the boss of our life. I was over there at my favorite grocery store this week. You know what it is. I don't even have to say what it is. Food for less, right? Down there. I was going to go over there. I noticed I was dressed like this, so I took this off and put pajamas on. And I went down there, and I went I went to pump gas. You don't want to... I mean, you know, they look at you. So anyway, so... So I put my pajamas on. And um, as I'm going over there, you know, it's weird seeing a grown man in a onesie, but I wasn't down there. I'm kidding. I didn't really do that. So, But I, I was pumping gas, and... This really nice, brand new Mercedes-Benz pulls up, and and a, and a very well-dressed. I mean, this dude. No, this was an affluent person. He steps out, and and he's obviously he's just passing through, and then he goes up there, and I didn't hear what it was all about, but he's talking to the cashier at the at the gas thing out there, and they they get into it about something, and I'm like, whoa, that's messed up. And so he comes back, and he's pumping his gas, and he's like, man, this world is so messed up. People, it's going. Crazy. I don't know what's going to, and he's just going on and on, and and I didn't know what to say. Have you ever been in a spot where it's just a little bit awkward, and you're like, dude, I wasn't looking for all that. I'm just, you're in a, listen, you're in, your car probably costs more than my house. I'm pumping up my Prius, okay? I paid 3,000 cash for that bad boy, 50 miles to the gallon, but it is not pretty, okay? And so I'm pumping up the Prius, and and he's going on, and I didn't know what to say. So all I said was, at least me and you got Jesus, am I right? And he's like, huh? I'm like, man, me and you, we've got Jesus, right? And he's like, oh, yeah, I guess so, whatever. And then he goes on some more, and I'm like, the good news is we're children of God. And he's like, yeah. He just gets in his car and storms off. But I'm like, listen, that guy, he's he on the outward appearance, he's got it all together. He looks like he's got money. He looks like he's got some stuff in this world. But listen, I'm not going by that. I belong to Jesus. And yes, I agree. The world's crazy, but I'm not going crazy. I've got the mind of Christ and the wisdom of God is formed within me because Jesus is my boss. He's my Lord. He's my Savior. And no matter what goes on around me, I can rest assured that He's got me. He's got my back. He's my rock, my fortress, my shield. I could go on about that all day long. But no matter what, I'm not complaining about what he tells me to do because I chose him to be my boss. Nobody forced it. Can we look this morning at Deuteronomy chapter 30? Deuteronomy chapter 30. Praise God. All right. We're getting warmed up now. We're getting ready to hit some stuff. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses 19 and 20. Deuteronomy 30. Verses 19 and 20. Praise God. And so a minute ago I quoted Joshua out of Joshua 24, 15. But right now we're going to kind of look at something that the Lord spoke to Joshua's mentor, Moses. So Deuteronomy chapter 30. And we're going to look at verses 19 through 20. And I've always found these verses to be quite compelling because... 
you have, as I said a minute ago, you have choices in this life. You've got, you've, I mean, nobody's forcing you to receive Jesus. Nobody's forcing you to do this stuff. Deuteronomy 30, verses 19 and 20, it says, Today I have given you the what? I've given you the choice between life and death, between blessings and curses. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. And so you have a choice today, just like the people did back then, over which way you're going to live your life. Nobody, I've never heard, nobody can say, well, you know, God forced me to be a Christian. Nobody would say that. That's stupid. God didn't force you to be a Christian. If you're a Christian, a real Christian, not a faker, if you're the real deal, it's because you chose to submit your life to Jesus and believe in Him. But notice right here, even to the people of Israel, He says, I'm giving you the choice between life and death, between blessings and curses. And then he actually tells you which choice to make. Oh, that you would choose life. If you were in school, what would it be like? Imagine this, that you're in school and the teacher's like, okay, here's the question. It's multiple choice, A, B, C, or D. And then the teacher says, in fact, I'm going to find out, tell you the correct answer is B, but go ahead and pick whatever you want to do. But just so you know, the correct answer is B. I mean, I'm like, that's a no brainer. The teacher told you what the answer is. And as crazy as it sounds, in my heart of hearts, I believe that in that exact scenario, there are still some people that would not choose B. There are some people, well, I know the teacher said this, and I know, but I'm just going to go ahead. I feel like C applies more, and, and I just feel better about C. There are some people, even when the teacher gives you the right answer, for some reason, they are so stubborn, they still pick another choice. And as crazy as that sounds, in this life, the choice is obvious. Life and death Blessing or cursing, choose life. And yet some people still choose the other way. And to take it a step further, the very next verse shows you how to choose life. Because, you know, the teacher always wants to, you can write the right answer down, but then they say, okay, that's good, Einstein, but how'd you come up with that answer? You gotta show your work, right? Anybody remember that? You gotta show how you came to that conclusion. Well, the very next verse right here, it tells you how to make the right choice. Look at this, verse 20. You can make this choice, how? By loving the Lord your God, obeying Him, and committing yourself firmly to Him. This is the key to your life. And if you love and obey the Lord, you will live long in the land the Lord swore to give your ancestors Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so God straight up tells you which choice to make, and then He tells you how to make that choice, how to come out to that conclusion. And so I'm looking at all this and, 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 you know, honestly, in my life, 
I, w- I, I don't know how to say this, but, you know, I, I was raised in a very godly home, as you know. And so I, I know I hear, I, I've always felt a little bit weird because I hear these testimonies, even from so many of you, of deliverance from drugs and alcohol and gangs and violence. And, and, and those are incredible testimonies. I'm like, wow, God I mean, pick, it's incredible to hear these testimonies. And I'm sitting there in church and like, man, I can't identify with that at all. Nobody wants, how am I going to preach on salvation and deliverance when honestly, I mean, I just don't remember a time of, of being addicted or being through any of that. And, and I'm honestly at times a little jealous, like, man, I got to have some banger home run testimony if anyone's going to listen to what I'm saying. And it just isn't there. In fact, I mean, I grew up out in the country sheltered. And so Katie and I, we went to college. We went to Bible college. I remember one day in Tulsa, Oklahoma, I'm walking to the mailbox. We kind of lived in a bad part of town. And, and, and back in my college days, I kind of looked like Shaggy from Scooby-Doo, uh, you know, just long hair and this weird goatee. And, and so people have just made assumptions. I don't know, but so I'm going to get, going to get the mail one day and a car full of, of young men pull up and they're like, Hey bro, Hey, you got any paper? I just got out of Bible school, and so I'm like, oh yeah, guys, you're in luck. I always keep paper so I can take Bible notes. I'll be right back. And they're like, no, stupid, we're talking about for weed. And I was like, huh? And they, they peeled off and drove out. I'm like, paper, what? Man, I, I, it's for my Bible class. And anyway, so what I'm trying to say is, sometimes I, I haven't been able to identify with all these testimonies. But, but this verse right here, it told me, choose life so you and your descendants can live. So you and your descendants can be blessed. Now, I like how Kenneth Hagin Jr. said it. He, he said, I don't have a, I don't have a testimony of, you know, God delivering me from drugs and alcohol and all this stuff. And I, he felt weird about it, but he said, I have this testimony. God didn't have to deliver me because God kept me away from it. I'm like, you know what? I get that. I can identify with that. And so these kids, you're raising your kids here in church right now. You will not regret it. And you know what? You may have the testimony of being delivered from drugs and alcohol and gangs and violence. And that's powerful. Share that testimony every day that you have breath within you because God did a work. But thank you, Jesus, that our kids, they're not going to have to have the exact same testimony as you. They're going to be able to grow up and say, God delivered my dad from alcohol, but he kept me away from that stuff my whole life because my parents chose life that them and their descendants might live and be blessed. And so at this point, I'm very grateful that I don't have to have that testimony. I'm grateful for all that do. Please understand that. But I'm so grateful that my dad got delivered from alcohol so then I didn't have to because he didn't run back to it. He stayed away from it for the rest of his life. And I'm so thankful for that. And so the choices before you today, life or death, blessings or curses. And the teacher is saying, by the way, choose life. And here's how you do it. You commit yourself Firmly to the Lord your God and you don't ever look back. And so 
How am I saying today that Jesus is my boss? How is Jesus my Lord? Well, I chose for him to be, so I'm not going to complain about what the boss tells me to do. But I want to break it down a little bit more. Number two, I'll do what he says. Now, here's how you know if somebody, if you're you're submitted, when you begin to actually do what the boss says. Let's go to the New Testament here. Luke 6, verse 46. Luke 6, verse 46. Who's having a good time? Luke 6, and we're going to look here at verse 46. And uh, and Jesus says something here that strikes very, uh, very close to, to things that we see today. Luke 6 and verse 46. Now, if you read this whole uh, portion right here, Jesus is talking about uh, the story of the wise man that built his house upon the rock and the foolish man that built his house upon the sand. And it's, it's, a, it's an incredible, life-changing story. But what I want to get out here is Luke 6 and verse 46 because before Jesus goes into that illustration, he says something that is, I mean, just very, very, uh, very, very pointed to where we are. Luke 6, 46. Jesus says, so why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say? Think about that. Apparently, there were people back then that called Jesus Lord, but they didn't actually do anything he said. And I'm like, golly, Gomer, it sounds like a lot of people in 2021. There's a lot of people that call Jesus Lord, Lord, but they don't do anything he says. And this confused Jesus Christ so much that he says, I'm a little confused. Why do you keep calling me Lord when you don't actually do anything that I say? I'm not your Lord. You may like me. You may get inspiration from me. You may like the idea of having a savior, but I'm not your Lord until you actually do what I command. And I'll just, you know, I'm just throwing all sorts of stuff out there today. Just another pet peeve, okay, that you don't have to agree with this, a pet peeve. I super don't like it when some famous celebrity rich person gets up there and accepts an award and I want to, I want to receive this award for this song that I just wrote about doing bad things to women and cussing and drinking. I want to receive this award. I want to give, I want to give the glory to my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Like, huh? Pardon? Uh, you know, or someone that, you know, some football player has been out beating women or something crazy. I want to thank my Lord and Savior. I'm like, what? Don't hold on. Pump the brakes, brother. Don't bring Jesus into this mix. He doesn't get any glory out of your nasty, disgusting, horrible song that you just wrote. He had nothing to do with that. That movie you just made that used his name in vain 25 times before we made it through the opening credits. And now you want to give your Lord and Savior. You may say Jesus is your Savior, but I'm not even judging you when I say he's not your Lord. Jesus said you can judge a tree by its fruit. And if the fruit is foul and disgusting, there's something wrong with the root. So, you know, listen, don't don't go there. Don't go there. Just admit it. You know what? I'm my own boss. 
I wrote this nasty song, I made this dirty movie, and I want to give myself the credit for it, and I don't want to sound that arrogant, but let's just be real, I'm receiving this award because I'm just, you know, I'm full of myself. I mean, I would have more respect than that, but don't go out there and bring the name of Jesus into something like that. Now, don't look at me, some of you are looking at me, where, listen, I'm not accusing you of that, I've never seen you on the award show yet, maybe you've been on there, but, listen, I'm just saying, if you're living clean, then you can go out and do that type of thing. But the question that Jesus asks right here is a very fair question to ask. Why are you calling me Lord when you don't do the things that I say? And so can you imagine if somebody's like, hey, you know what? Uh, you're my new best friend. You're my boss. I'm going to call you boss. I'm here for you. You, whatever you say to do, count on me. Got it, boss? You're like, oh, okay, sure. So every time you ask that person to say, so, hey, could you go do this for me? No problem, boss. Then they don't go do it. Hey, boss, what do you need today? Well, I need somebody to run these errands. And they don't do it. After a while, I would probably get annoyed and be like, okay, all right. Why do you call me boss? You never do anything I tell you to do. And you came to me and said that you wanted me to be your boss. Why would you do that when you don't ever do anything that I tell you to do? What's up with that? That would be a very fair question. And that's what Jesus was saying right here. I mean, call me whatever you want to call me, but for crying out loud, don't call me Lord. You don't ever do anything I say. And that's a very fair thing to do. So, what we're going to look at here, there are three scenarios that if Jesus is your boss, if he's your Lord, three scenarios that you need to obey him in. A, A is this. When you like and agree with him. Can we get that on the screen? When you like and agree with him. Who, th- who thinks that's good? Okay. That's basically all I need to say about that. I don't need to go any further on that. All right. So, and that's not a very deep thing. <laughs> so B, here we go. Let's talk about some real stuff here. Because it's obvious. It's obvious. When you like him and you agree with him, then yeah, okay, I've got no problem there. No issue. But B, we're talking about scenarios that you need to obey him in. B, When you don't like it. Can the church say amen today? That was super weak. Can the church say amen today? (laughs) We need to obey Him even when we don't like it. Because let me just be real. Let me get transparent. There are some things the Bible tells me to do that I really don't like that much. That whole turn the other cheek business... Not my favorite verse in the Bible. That whole, go the extra mile. When someone is really doing you wrong, go the extra mile. I know it's true, but I don't really want to do that. But if I'm going to say, Jesus, you're my Lord. Jesus, you're in control. You're my boss. Then am I going to say, I may not like that, but I'm going to do it because you said to. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to obey him even when I don't like what he's telling me to do. Now, you know, in my life, you know, I've had some good bosses. I've had some bad bosses. Who in here you've had good bosses? You know, they say the American workforce is on general quite unhappy. But listen, you've had good bosses. And then any of you ever had maybe what you would consider a bad boss? A lot more hands went up for that. Okay, that's strange. So, here's the deal. As a Christian, I, you know, I, I was raised and I was taught from the word that whether I like the boss or don't like the boss, they're the boss, so I still do what they say. 
unless they're telling me to do something massively illegal or something like that, and then, you know, I need to find new employment. But just because they tell me to sweep the floors, well, I did it yesterday. Okay, go do it today. Well, yeah, today's your... If they're the boss, whether they're a good boss or a bad boss, as a Christian, I don't sit there and argue over stupid stuff like that. They told me to go do it. They're signing my paycheck. I go do it unless it's something illegal or something immoral. But as a Christian, I obey Jesus whether I like what he's saying or I don't like what he's saying at the moment. I remember some of my, and I've had some very high profile jobs, I'm not going to lie. You know, I was very successful in the workforce before I became a pastor. Uh, I fried chicken for 18 months and I was really good at it. I'm not going to lie. Very good at frying chicken. Um, I dug ditches for the phone company for a while. I, I threw boxes onto FedEx airplanes for a while. I mean, I've done some very high profile You know, I don't like to brag about my successes, but basically outside of preaching, I have no sustainable skills, okay? So if you guys, you know, please keep coming to church. I have no fallback plan, okay? I know some guys get into ministry and they're like, yeah, well, you know, I I left, you know, this industry and I came into this. I didn't do that. The only other thing I can do in this world is fried chicken in a deep fryer. I've got no other skills. So for the love of God, keep showing up, please. So, but I remember, you know, Again, I don't like to brag, but I went from being the fryer to the marinade guy. And so I was marinating uh, chicken gizzards, livers. I mean, you know, tearing thighs apart, doing all this great stuff. And again, I don't like to brag, but I was one of the top guys in our workforce of eight people. I was in the top six, no doubt about it. So I was good. I was really good. But, but what I'm saying is, whether I enjoyed marinating the gizzards, whether I enjoyed, you know, popping livers and all this stuff that I did, listen, it didn't matter. The boss said to do it, and so I did it. And I know most mature adults in here, you're the exact same way. I, I get that. But what I'm saying is this. If you're going to take your Christianity to the next level, whether you're new in the faith or whether you're in here, and like I said, you've been serving God longer than I've been alive. That's fine. But if you're going to go to the next level, you have got to have some challenges from the Word of God, and there's going to have to be some things where you say, I may not like that, but you know what? He said to do it, and I'm going to do it, whether I like it or not, because I told him that he could be Lord and Savior in my life, so I'm going to do it. And so if you've been a Christian for 50 years in here, there should still be things challenging you. And you're like, well, there's no challenges left anymore. Dig a little deeper and find something to challenge you because you're not growing if you're not being challenged. You need to be challenged. And the Word of God challenges me every day. And I'm thankful for that. I'm, you know, I'm not a snowflake and fold it up and say, well, I don't like that. I quit. No. Stick with it. All right. And so see, we're talking about scenarios. You need to obey him. You obey him when you like it. You obey him when you don't like it. And see, you got to obey him when you don't understand it. When you don't understand it. Can we flip over to Acts chapter 20? And so there, you know, there's no way that every person in here, there's no way. There's not one of you or me or anybody that fully understands every portion of Scripture. There are plenty of things that I don't understand. 
And so do I say, well, God, I don't understand that, so I'm not going to obey it till I get full revelation and understanding on it. Or do I say, I don't understand that just yet, but I'm going to take your word for it, and I'm going to go ahead and obey it. Maybe I'll find out later. Maybe I won't find out till I get to heaven why you said that. But I'm going to go ahead and obey it. I don't understand every little bit of it. And I know you don't either. Paul said, for instance, the love of God. He said, the love of God in Ephesians is so high, so wide, so deep, so long, the love of God is so great that nobody can ever fully understand it. So if you, if you say, well, I fully, I've got a full and complete understanding of the word of God, then you don't because none of us can. God's love is so incredible that no person can fully comprehend it. Now, when we get to heaven, we'll see things in full. But right now, you don't fully understand everything and neither do I. But we obey even when we don't understand it. Because sometimes the boss knows some things you don't know. Have you ever found that out? Maybe you're at work and they give you a new order and you're like, man, why are we going to do this? I don't understand why they're telling us to do this. Well, maybe you'll find out someday that they got news from corporate. They got news from somewhere else that you needed to change some things to avoid laying you off. Well, I don't obey it unless I understand it. That is a wrong, prideful, bad attitude to have. You obey even when you don't understand. And so Acts chapter 20, and we're going to look at verses 22 through 24. I believe I read this one of these verses last week even. But Acts chapter 20, verses 22 through 24. And so here's Paul. He's getting ready to go to Jerusalem. And the people are saying, hey, listen, uh, 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 listen, there's trouble laying ahead. And God is warning him. God is straight up warning him that... I need you to go here, but just so you know in advance, you're going to get arrested and some bad things are going to happen, but I need you to go. And so Acts chapter 20, and we're going to look here at verse 22. He says, and now I am bound by the spirit to go to Jerusalem. I don't know what awaits me. Look at that statement. I don't know what awaits me. I don't. And sometimes God may be telling you to do something and you're saying, well, he's saying this. But I don't know why. I don't know what awaits me. So you could say, I'm not going until God fully explains himself to me. Listen, there is never a point in time where we tell the boss, you better explain yourself. Whoa. Now I know we would never say that, but some people are, hey, he, but you got some explaining to do, right? Don't talk to the boss that way. Verse 23. He's, I don't know what awaits me except that the Holy Spirit tells me in city after city that jail and suffering lie ahead. Verse 24. But my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus. The work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. That's a statement that only somebody that has made Jesus their Lord would make. The people that Jesus was talking to in Luke 6, they wouldn't say anything like that. They wouldn't, they wouldn't say, you know what? I understand that there may be tough times ahead, but I don't care. I'm going to do what God said to do because my life means nothing to me if I don't use it 
for doing what the Lord told me to do, for preaching the gospel. Only somebody that's made Jesus their Lord and their boss would say something to that extent. Now, my dad said something Wednesday night, if you were here, you're watching online, that really struck a chord with me. And he said, sometimes, and, 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 I, and the Lord, I guess, spoke this phrase to him back in the 80s. Sometimes you have to do what you don't want to do so you can end up doing what you really do want to do. I'm going to say that again because that struck with me. And I believe that that will speak to somebody in here today for where you're at. Sometimes you have to do what you don't want to do so you can end up doing what you really want to do. Now, sometimes, maybe right now, you're in the season of you're doing what you really want to do in life. You're where you want to be. You are doing exactly what you want to do. But there are a whole lot that are in the season of, you know what, Um, this isn't really my end goal. This isn't really my final destination. But I'm going to be faithful to what the Lord told me to do right now so I can get to where I'm going. Don't stop being faithful in this chapter or the next chapter is not going to be written. Don't say, well, I don't understand all this. I don't know why God told me to do it. And I don't know why this is going on. Listen, don't quit on the boss right now. He knows something you don't know. He sees something you don't see. You've got to stick with the program. You've got to stick with the process. And listen, someday... You will be doing what you really do want to do. You will be doing and you will be at the place that you really want to be at. But you can't quit now. And so what am I getting at with all that? If Jesus, if you're going to be able to say without contradiction and not be a liar, if you're going to really be able to say, Jesus, you are my Lord, then we will obey him when we like it, when we don't like it, And even when we don't understand what he's telling us to do, we're going to obey. And that's a mark of maturity. That's a mark of, you know what, this person's getting it. This person's going to the next level. And so I'm challenging us today, all right? Man, maybe you're in here, and again, you're kind of new to this whole thing. Maybe you've just come back to the Lord. Maybe you walked away for a while and you just recently came back. Or maybe you've just been sticking with Him this whole time. Whatever your scenario is, what I want to say to you today is this. Make Jesus your Lord. Quit playing games. If His Word is telling you to do something and you don't like it, maybe it rubs you wrong. Maybe, well, that whole tithing business, what's that all about? I don't fully understand it, but I still do it. Why? Because my Lord told me to do it. And there, you know, and it works. And it invites God's blessings on my money. But even if it didn't do those things, Him telling me to do it is good enough reason for me to do it. And there are plenty of things in here. Listen, there are promises from front to back. And those promises come with blessings. If Jesus is your Lord, we shouldn't have to nonstop only preach about the blessings. We should be able to say, the Bible says to do this, and that should be reason enough for you to do that. 
Not, well, it says to do this, and if you do, I promise you, pretty, pretty, please, I promise you, if you'll do this, you'll get this blessing and that blessing and this money and that health and this. Yes, you'll get those things, but you shouldn't have to be bribed with all the blessings to chase the blesser. If Jesus is your Lord, him saying, you know what, Josh, you know what, Chuck, you know what, Julie, Raul, he should be able to look at you and say, James, you know what, I need you to do this. And that's all the reason I need right there. And yeah, thank you for the blessings. Thank you for the finances. Thank, thank you for all that. I don't need any other reason. That's good enough. I heard somebody say it that one time this way. If Jesus says jump, you ask how high while you're already on your way up. Is he, I'm just examine your heart today, all right, between you and God. Has Jesus just been your savior this whole time? Or can you honestly say, you know what, I've given him the reins. He says, go, I go. He says, stop doing that, I stop doing it. He says, give that up, I give it up. Has Jesus really been the Lord and the boss and in control of your life? Or have you been your own boss and Lord and your own person doing your own thing? Only you can answer that question. But I know this much. What the Lord spoke through Moses was absolutely right. I've set before you today life and death, blessings and curses. Choose life that you and your children may live. My kids are going to have to make their own decision on Jesus someday. But I know this much from the word of God and from every statistic ever given that they stand a whole lot better of a choice of making the right decision about Jesus if they see their dad make the right decision about Jesus. Amen. They'll have, they'll answer for their life. They'll have to make that decision. But God was right. He said, you choose life. It's for you and your descendants, you and your children. And so they'll be blessed and you can live. And so I, you know, I'm going to, I'm rambling on. Stand up with me. I won't shut up if you don't stand up. Come on. I, I'm so proud of, of, you know, the, the parents, usually the single moms, but sometimes the single dads, that they keep coming to church. Whether, you know, whether dad or whether mom is or not, they just keep coming. They're bringing those kids. They're doing the right thing. You will not regret that. And moms and dads that are married and, and, and bringing their kids, keep it up. I was just talking to someone yesterday about, man, I've been to church every week of my life, 35 years. Sometimes at the minimum, three times a week at the most. At one point we had six services a week. And guess what? I... I don't regret it. I love it. I love being at church. I love being in God's house. Man, if I go on vacation, I find a church to go to. Because I love God's people. I love God's house. But Jesus is my Lord. He's the boss. What he says goes in my life. And I know in Jesus' name, it's the same for you. But there's just such a thing on my heart that you choose life. Because it's not only for you, it's for your kids too, right? When a mom's pregnant, she's not just eating for herself. She's got to, you know, she's got to stay away from some stuff because it'll hurt the baby. But she's got to eat the right stuff because it'll help the baby. And moms and dads and parents and grandparents keep doing the right thing. Keep serving God. It's not just for you. 
It's for the babies. It's for the kids. It's for the grandkids. You got to do this for them too. And if you're not healthy, it's going to screw them up and mess them up. And that means so much to me. So anyway, that was not part of the sermon. That's just something God's laying on my heart. So praise God. Well, we're going to take a minute here and we're going to, we're going to take a minute to worship God. And, and I always think that this is just a wonderful time for you to talk to the Lord. If God spoke to you today and dealt with you and said some things, maybe some of what we said kind of rubbed you the wrong way. Hopefully I offended somebody in here at some point out of all that. Maybe I didn't. I don't know. But hopefully somebody got roughed up a little bit and, and, you know, and, 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 and your thoughts were provoked. But whatever the case is, let's take a minute and sing to God. And now's your chance. Talk to the Lord for a few minutes here and say, God, Have I been holding back from you? Is there something different I need to do? Tell me right now and I'll change it. But let's give the Lord a few minutes here. Amen. Let's go ahead and worship the Lord. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop. You never stop working. You never stop. You never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop. You never stop working. You never stop. You never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop. You never stop working. You never stop. You never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop. You never stop working. You never stop. You never stop working. A way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God. That is who you are. A way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God. That is who you are. 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 Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop. You never stop working. You never stop. You never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop. You never stop working. You never stop. You never stop working. Amen. Hallelujah. I want to pray over you today. Can you raise your hands for a minute? Thank you, Lord. Father, in Jesus' name. 
Lord, we thank you for what we've seen in the word of God today. And Lord, I know that there's a whole bunch of us in here that we're at that place of saying, I don't want to be my own boss anymore. I don't want to be my own Lord anymore. I don't want to, I don't want to call my own shot. I don't want to, I want you to be my Lord. I want you to be able to have your way to do what you need to do, to, to, to have full permission to change me. Tell me when I'm wrong, God, because I don't want to be wrong anymore. Lord, you have permission to come in and be my Lord, to be my boss, and tell me what I need to do. God, we submit to you today in the name of Jesus. And we say, have your way, God. If we've made promises to you, help us to keep those promises. Lord, if we've told you we do things, help us to do those things, Father. Help us to never look away. We thank you, Jesus, that you are a good God. You're a good Father. You only want the best for us. Sometimes we don't understand it. Sometimes we don't even like it at the moment. But we know you only want the best for your children. And God, everything you tell us to do, it's for our good. It's for our benefit. It's not to hurt us. You've got plans to prosper us to give us hope, to give us a future, not plans for destruction, not plans to tear our lives apart, but plans to build our lives up. And so, God, we humbly say we trust you. Whatever you say is best for us, we say, yes, sir, it's best. We'll do it. We'll follow whether we understand it or not. We thank you for it, Jesus. You are good in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Who's been blessed today? Hallelujah. God sure is good to us. Praise God. Well, we remind you that we have service tonight at six o'clock. My dad is going to be preaching a wonderful sermon, a teaching on the anointing of God. Maybe you've heard that word. You don't really know what it is, or maybe you just don't understand much about it. Come back tonight, man. Get stronger. Grow. Learn something, right? It's going to be good. Of course, the kids have children's church at six o'clock from six o'clock to seven. It is an hour of power, and it is going to be awesome. And I also want to remind you that at the info booth there, if you are interested in becoming a member, and I know you're interested because why wouldn't you want to be a part of this beautiful, wonderful family? You're interested, don't you? So, you know, I'll just, you are. Go ahead and sign up. It'll be Sunday night, March 14th from 4 to 7. I think I got all that right. But anyway, it's on there. Sign up and join the family and be one of us wonderful, awesome, crazy people. Amen. All right. Let's speak some words of faith together, together over Barstow. Who's ready to do that? All right. We love you. All right. Say this together. We declare that Barstow is a blessed city. Our families are blessed. Our schools are blessed. Our churches are blessed. Barstow is healed. Barstow is prospering. Barstow is safe. Barstow is strong. Barstow is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barstow is full of love, joy, and peace. Barstow is full of the glory of God. Barstow is coming to Jesus. Barstow is saved. In Jesus' name, amen. We will see you tonight.